Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Okay, I have another wonderful friend I have just met online. I feel like I have spoken to her, you know, a dozen times, but we haven't. We've just met, and our visions and our mission is so aligned, and I love her already. Um, I want to welcome Nikita Renthigpin to the show. How are you? I am magical. Thank you, Nelia, for having me and hosting this wonderful space. Thank you for coming and taking the time. I'm so honored. Like, I love meeting people with a message like yours and how important it is. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the people listening because this is something that the show is based around. This is something that is so important. And a lot of people still don't get it. They don't realize it. And so I really want to bring it home to them. So let me just tell you a little bit about Nikita. I want to dive right in today. (laughs) So Nikita, she is a balance and relationship advisor already. I love this. So she is on a mission to build stronger families that leave, L-E-A-V-E, new multi-generational imprints witnessed from the ripples of love, empathy, adventure, victory, and edification they create from their wholeness. She is known as as the number one, number one, everybody, and she deserves it, balance and relationship advisor in the world, activating power couples, and potential humans who are ready to re-collaborate. Now, I could go on forever and ever, but just to give you a little bit more about her, she's been featured on the Lifestyle Channel, international radio shows, award-winning podcasts, honored by the NAACP as one of the 104 most influential Black women in Philadelphia, recipient of the National Association of Professional Women of Excellence Award. She is a woman who wears many hats without apology or explanation. And I love this. Good for you. All right. women, (laughs) Power to you, girl. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about why it's important, why self-love is important, why it's important to be selfish and why we shouldn't think of that as a bad thing, right? Yeah. So how did you get into this space, Nikita? Uh, how much time you got now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important to find out where you came from because then we understand the journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a little context for everyone who's 
newly introduced to me. My background is as a licensed clinical social worker. I come from the trauma space. So a lot of the 25 plus years of my professional self before I became an entrepreneur was rooted in helping people survive whatever the direness of their situation was, whether it was the grieving of the loss of normalcy that they thought they would have before they maybe had a child with a lot of medical challenges and that wasn't their expectation when they were hoping for or planning a baby, whether that was bereaving the loss of a family or loved one, or whether they were recovering from a severe sexual assault, um, whether it was by a stranger or someone that they knew or was potentially even related to. So that was my background and context. I've always been a helper. Um, I didn't understand that I was also a healer because, you know, we get into the the physical parts of our of our skill set. Like, okay, I went to school for psychology and sociology, right? Like, you know, you get into that and like, this is what I do, but I wasn't necessarily attuned to the bigger part of my gift that was trying to like show itself through the professional pathways that I was taking at that time. Then about May coming up will be 12 years for my business. So almost 12 years ago, I was really exhausted. I was really good at what I did. I loved what I did as a clinician and psychotherapist and all the ways that I helped people with their trauma as a recovering person as well from someone who was surviving multiple different complex traumas. Um, I knew that that was important work for me to do, but it felt like I was suffocating. It was good and I was good at it but I wasn't in love with it, if that makes sense. Um, it was like meeting a really awesome person and being like, oh, they're everything I thought I wanted, but I'm missing the spark. Like, what, What's happening? Like, why is there no spark? And that was kind of what was happening in my work. And if you're an ambitious human, you know how important it is to be connected and challenged by what you're doing, not in an overwhelming way where you're just like creating negatives for yourself, but in a way that stimulates you and keeps you enthralled and wakes you up excited versus you feeling like you're counting all the negative things that are happening. I had very poor balance at the time. You're talking about hospital systems, 12, 16 plus hours, no sleep, it barely any bathroom breaks, like going from that. And I'm a wife and I'm a mother and I was a doctoral candidate at the time. So there was like a lot of those other hats and layers that I was trying to navigate. And I kept feeling a pull that I couldn't put my finger on that was pulling me towards the bigger umbrella of personal development, technically, you know, in it as a clinician, but not in the bigger way. Um, so I fell forward a lot. My husband and I started our company, which is Think Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute. And when we started, we started wrong. You know, we started in the logical sense and not in the gifted sense. So we lost a lot of money in the, the beginning. We were a staffing agency with a professional development and training arm. And I was being approached by so many different people like, I want you to coach me. I want you to help me here. And that training that you did, because of course, you know, you're using your gift. I knew I could talk. So I'm speaking, I'm doing little miniature workshops as like my free coffee mug, like here, listen to this awesome training on how to deal with conflict management and think about how great our people are. So you'll want to bring them into your company, right? Like that was our free coffee mug. And they kept saying, I want more of that. I want more of Nikita. I want more of your training. I want more of this. You could coach our executives. And I gave big pause to that. Mm. Uh, part of it scared me because to be completely honest, Nelia, I was ignorant to the coaching space. I'm 
an academic. I'm a clinician. Like that's my background. That's where I come from. I was not raised by entrepreneurs in the legitimate sense of the word. I had no idea what a coach was outside of athletics. I didn't know what an advisor was outside of financial management, right? Like those were not terms that I was connected with in terms of the healing space and and helping people on the deeper, more altruistic and spiritual level that I do ultimately to help them create these new multi-generational imprints from their wholeness. Um, And so I, I fell forward by doing my own work. I had already been familiar with therapy, but now I had to be coached. I had to invest in advisors and mentors and other spiritual counselors. Like I had to understand not only where I was being pulled, but why I was being pulled really towards myself, but I didn't understand all the dynamics that went into that. So as I served people in the first few years, it was really in the professional development arm. I was doing a lot of lunch and learns, workshops, you know, that kind of thing, very corporate side. And the entrepreneurs that I would serve were really the people I was meeting in those rooms. They were working at these companies. They were what you would call entrepreneurs back then, if people still use that term. Um, And they had these secret side hustles that they didn't want their managers and leaders to know about. But when I would come in to talk about something about leadership or whatever uh, topic, they felt and intuited that it was something greater. So they would walk up and say, like, can I work with you directly? Like, we don't care if the company hires you for any long-term thing. Like, can I work with you? What a compliment. Right. And, you know, I got this business as they're whispering that I need help with. Um, And I had failed enough to keep them from making some of those mistakes. Right. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, honey, let me tell you what not to do. Like, that was a huge part of what the first few years of being introduced and indoctrinated into the breakthrough success coaching world and all that was. And what I understood most, Nelia, was that my gift wasn't to deny the clinical side of me and to pretend like I didn't have it. It was to look at what were the benefits of these tenets of coaching and strategy and the business acumen and all the things that I was also being indoctrinated to and how can I synergize them because I'm a synergist like it was something that was natural for me so how could I take the best parts of that and really make my own map for people to create joy and that meant being intentionally selfish for myself to slow down not get caught in the mainstream as I'm sure you're familiar Every guru was telling us that we have to do it this way, right? Like, you know, you got to have this trick wire, trip wire, this this part of the funnel, like all the things that, yes, worked at some point in the 2000s. But for people, depending on who your people are, when they're looking for realness, when they're looking for honesty and transparency, all those tricks don't align with them. They want real human sacredness, conversation, Mm -hmm. a place to be heard and to receive whatever they came from, came for, and I was able to give them that. Yay. I love this so much. It just, you know, okay. So I agree. Sometimes like, what is a coach? You know, people think, oh, it's so foo-foo. And who is this person trying to talk to us about this? Right. But there is skill behind that. And I love that you found both you know, and you married them together because it's so great, right? Like what a compliment for people to come and say that to you. I think it's fantastic. And you call this healers. Yes. And how easy is it 
for healers and empaths to want to save everybody and, you know, work those long shifts and then try this and then be a mom and do all of these things. Mm -hmm. Burnout is a real thing. And mm -hmm. it's looked at as so negative and why aren't you strong enough and all of these things. So in order to kind of not get labeled as those things, we hide it and keep going and we, it just gets worse, right? It does, which is kind of hilarious and hypocritical at the same time, right? Like the world pats us on the back when we're doing 55 things in two hours. And then as soon as you slip, one of them just, I don't know, falls a little bit out of your hand or falls to the ground. They're like, oh no, Nikita lost it. She needs to stop, right? Like then you're pegged and labeled and become yes. the gossip of the family conversation for that turkey dinner, right? Like whatever's right. coming up. And then of course, on the other side of that, they'll say, oh, you should slow down when you are sitting in the hospital with a freaking IV in your arm. Mm. Meanwhile, just yesterday, you were asking me to do two more things for you. And it had oh, to be true. done because you were the exception because your family or you're someone that's known me for 20 years, or we went to college together. So you think you're entitled to have access to me, right? And you put that. listen, you know it now. You're like people will come up out of the woodworks, will call you after 5, 10, 15, 20 years, like a little nervous, like, hey girl, hey guy, like what's going on? How you doing? And as soon as you give them a little bit of like, oh wow, like it's good to hear from you. They think it's right back. And I'm like, no, sorry, there was a lot of growth that happened in those 5, 10, 15, 20 years. There were a lot of other people who actually were here for me that I was able to also be here for. You don't get to jump the line just because you could say you yes. knew me in the 90s. It doesn't work. I agree. And sometimes marriages are like that too, right? Because even though you live together and you are seeing that person all the time, if one person grows and the other one doesn't, it's hard. It's like, how do you balance that, you know, but it's so when we talk about giving to yourself on this show, I want to make clear that we're not talking about bubble baths and all of these things. Those things are great, but we're talking about boundaries and priorities and, you know, despite everybody else doing something for us, that's going to elevate who we are and make yeah. us more present. Right. Absolutely. So did you, when you first started on this journey, <laughs> Did you find it hard? Like, did you have resistance for yourself? What? Yes. Like I, my core is a rebellious human and I honor that. I didn't always, because the world tells you, you know, get in line, do things in order. You're a woman. You have to like stay in your lane. Like, you know, all the, the things that we hear verbally, non-verbally, formally, informally, but my core is rebellious. I'm the kid that put her hand on the top of the stove, got smacked away because it was hot. And I'm like, yeah, but how hot is it? And, and put my hand back there. Like I was always that kid. And as soon as I embrace that, that rebellion, as long as it's not reckless, because there is a fine line, is actually part of my superpower. It's not the superpower, but it's part of what makes me different. It's because I don't want to just color outside of a line or outside of the box. I need to break boxes. And as soon as I gave myself permission to tap in to that little girl that was denied so many times for, you know, walking a different pathway, 
the greatness could come in. Like that's the the best way to say that. So, but the resistance was there when I wasn't accepting, when I was still trying to conform, when I felt like the only way to to be accepted or to be appreciated or to be, you know, not smacked on the hand, you know, not literally, but to to have that was if I just stayed the course. And for me, honestly, that was never the way. It might feel good in the moment to not be the person that's being proverbially smacked on the hand, but I would always feel like I was suffocating. It was like taking me right back to my first career as a clinician. Love it. I will listen. I will fuss at and fight anyone who tries to deny that people who work in the trauma space are not angels walking, okay? Like legit angels walking. Love them. The work is necessary and they are needed. But not everyone is walking in their purpose when they're doing that walk. They're walking towards it. Mm. They're stretching, you know, stretching themselves out. I believe that when you chisel away with a passion, one passion at a time, it gets you closer to the purpose that's already in there that was kind of covered and bound in that calcified chaos and confusion and maybe trauma and drama and all those things. But for me, it was part of the chiseling. It wasn't the destination, but the resistance wasn't, oh, what's wrong with you? You should just be happy here. Like, this is your career. This is what you should do. And then it's family and friends who love you, who have the best intention saying, Girl, what's wrong with you? You better not give up that good government job, right? You know, like yes. you're you're feeling that, especially if part of your path is to trek into entrepreneurship. You will have people make you think that you're crazy, but the best thing for you to do is hold up, hold up the mirror and say, yes, I am. I'm crazy enough to believe in me, to believe that what I'm doing, although good, is not the godly path for me. I love this conversation so much. You know, I'm hearing you speak about your story and I'm feeling parts of my story. Yeah. What a difference from when we, when we're not like fully present with who we are and what we are and what we stand for. Yeah. And it's, it's remarkable when we can uncover that piece by piece. I love your story because you're true. They are angels walking, you know, and yes. we need that. It's not to say not to diminish any type of work at all, especially someone in that position. Um, thank goodness for them. But it is hard to go against people who are, you know, in your corner and love you and maybe saying all the right things and it's tough it's tough so I I respect that you had that insight it is hard yeah it's very hard you know when you were saying about being rebellious I just the other day I was talking about when I was a teenager and people you know even now you hear a lot you hear about well if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything you know Mm -hmm. how much I hate that Mm -hmm. Because, because it's like I feel censored like, yeah. I don't, don't assume that if I don't agree, I'm going to say it in a nasty way. I can mm-hmm. still have a voice and yeah. still be authentic and be real and be me without being censored and not be mean. Like I do have kind of a filter, you know, like, trust me. Right. Yeah. So when you say that, it's like, girl, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I love your example, Nelia. Um, and actually, of course, you know, you, you pick, 
your timing with when you respond to people. But my husband actually just asked me the other day. I don't know where it was coming from. He's a podcast head like we are. So he listens to a lot of podcasts and it probably was stimulated from one of those conversations. But he asked me something like, I want to phrase it right. It was something like, you know, what's 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 something that people say about you often that tells you that they really don't know you? And my first comment back was when people call me nice. I'm not a nice person. I'm really not. And and I, you know, I do a lot of sharing of the difference between nice versus kind. Like I feel like nice is superficial mm-hmm. and it's not authentic and it's not transparent. So when someone says something like, you know, Nikita, be nice, like don't don't say anything that's not nice, I would say, Oh, don't worry. I, I'm not going to be nice at all. That would be my comment back because I'm kind. And kindness is you moving in love. It's love in action with everything. So if I give you constructive feedback that, yes, might be difficult to hear, but I feel that it will help you. It will elevate you. It will encourage you and support you, even if it's not in this moment when, you know, there's lots of other stuff going on. But if I truly intuit that being kind to you with constructive feedback because to your point, it's always going to be filtered. I'm not a nasty person. Nothing will ever come out vicious or malicious in any way. But I don't need to explain that to the person that's saying, like, don't say anything. I, my comment back forever would always be, oh, I won't. Don't mm. worry, because I'm going to be kind. There's not a nice bone in my body. Like, if you really know me, you'll know, like, Nikita's not nice. Nice is very... To me, it's what you do when you're walking down the street and you see strangers and you, you're you like, hello, because you're scared that if you don't let them know that you gave them eye contact, that they might, you know, mistake you as somewhat naive that they could get over. So you're just like, I'm being yeah. nice. I'm being nice right now. So that, that fool, like. see that I see him. Right. Like, just so you know, but I don't really want to speak to you. I don't really like your energy was telling me like, ah, stay away. but I needed to be nice in that moment because that superficialness was exactly what was called for. But the kind Nikita is going to show up very different. The kind Nikita is going to stop and talk to that stranger. Hey, how are you? What's happening? I'm an intercessor. Can I pray for you? Like whatever I'm feeling, the kindness is my most authentic and highest level self, Mm -hmm. which I strive. I'm not perfect, but I strive to always be kind, not nice for that very reason that you said. I appreciate that about you so much. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that, you know, that's who you are to the core, because to me, nice is like being polite. It's like, it doesn't really come always from a good place. It's like a mandatory thing, something you have mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Whereas you're being sort of like a best friend who mm-hmm. you might not say everything that person wants to hear, but at the end, it's all for benefit, right? Yeah. Without judgment. I love that so much. That's a great way to live out your life. Thank you. I, I do think it's that we've heard it, especially as women, if there's a lot of women listening to the show, that nice, nasty, mean girlness that we have it. A lot of those girls in high school and college and everywhere in between, they were real nice and nasty, right? Like that's, and to me, like they're like coupled right there. Even though I know not everyone being nice is trying to be nasty. They could just be doing a version of the example I gave where they're just like, let me be nice in this moment because I don't know what's happening with this person's energy, which is like, it's it's cool. Like it has its position in Mm -hmm. life but I don't aspire to be nice for that right reason. That borderline to nastiness is just too close. And I'm like, if I'm going to be nasty, let me be nasty. Like, let me not 
pretend and cover it with niceties. Like if you deserve some nastiness, listen, it is what it is, right? Like you just deserved it. I love this. Nice is, <laughs> yes. Nice is like surface level. Yes. It's very surface, very superficial. I love it. What would you say? How would, or how would you help someone who is getting burnt out, knows they should be taking care of themselves, yeah. but are take the people around them and their opinions are overtaking what that person really can do for themselves. What would be something that they could do to just block that out, take care of themselves so mm -hmm. that they can help other people? I have an exercise for anyone who's game. Um, yeah. So if you're on your Peloton or treadmill or driving, please do not do this. Just save the episode and come back to it to do that. Do it when you can safely. Um, but for those of you who can just, if you have a piece of paper, that's the best way to do it. There's a formula for balance. Cause I know a lot of people say like, there is no such thing as balance, right? It's, it's harmony, it's integration. Okay. Well, if I'm falling out this chair, I don't feel like I'm not in harmony. I feel like I'm off balance. So let me help you create some balance with this formula. It's T like Tom over, and this is a, like a fraction over B like boy, T over B. Hmm. The T is admitting the truth of what you really want. The B is the boundaries that you will create to achieve that truth as your reality. So if you say, I want to create a multi-seven figure business and have plenty of spaciousness for four vacations a year with my family, friends, and those I love, and at least two additional uh, breaks a week a piece just for self-care for me. So we're talking 12 to 16 weeks a year. This is my dream. This is my truth. This is what I aspire to do because the work that I do will be impactful and in printing and, and all the things. But in order to do that, I really need that spaciousness so I can create those memories and give back to my family just as much as I give back to other people and still have time for me. That's your truth in this proverbial example then we need to create some boundaries to make that truth your reality. Because if we say that that's our truth, but then our boundaries around our personal habits, which fuel us, like your, your nutrition, your exercise, your stretching, your mobility, your agility, if that's limited, then you won't have the energy to be able to create that multi-seven-figure business and enjoy those vacations or have patience for your family or time to create what you want to do for your, what I call self-locations for those little weeks for yourself. So I need boundaries around making sure that I have time for myself. So look at, for your boundaries, there's five permission zones to give yourself boundaries for. One is your personal habit. Make sure that that time is protected. 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, whatever it is that you feel that you need so you can have energy to fuel you to get towards your truth. Another boundary area is expectations, specifically expired expectations. So we have to look at what are those expired expectations that we held for ourselves, as well as the ones that other people are holding over us that are really driving our decisions. So if you're in your mid-50s and something your parents told you when you were 10 about you know, becoming a lawyer is the only way to be successful and that wasn't your path or you chose to transition from that path. Part of why you're heading up 
like the, these walls and these barriers of limitations in your success is because part of you doesn't believe you can really be successful because there's an expectation that your parent was right, mm. that they were they were dead on when they told you that being a lawyer was the only way to do it and there was no other way and you chose to rebel against that for whatever reason maybe because you truly are pulled towards something else or maybe because you were just like I don't want to go to school all that long like I don't I don't want to do all that in that way to become a quote unquote lawyer so looking at those expired expectations of other people, and I'm picking on parents and something as cautious as like a career, but it could be showing up in other ways. If they told you you are a woman and you have to get married and you shouldn't be as smart as your husband, or you have to learn to be quiet and let him always feel like the man, like those are also expired expectations that are driving you and how you communicate, how you create intimacy, how you are standing up for yourself and being bold, not just in the bedroom, but in the boardroom of your life. Like those expectations don't stop at one section of your life, but then you also have private expectations that are expired. I'm just going to tell on myself when <laughs> I was little, I said that I was going to have, I was going to be a pediatrician and also, cause I was am ambitious, have a psychology office on the side of my house. Like that was, I was going to be Love basically <laughs> a doctor that way. And that was what I was going to do. Now, of course, I took a different path of helping people. I still help people in both ways because I'm a homeopath as well. So I help people in the physical, mental, spiritual, like all of it, but it wasn't as a pediatrician and it wasn't as a psychologist. But there was a part of me in the early part of my career that was doubting not only my success and my accomplishments, but how good I was at it because I didn't stay. I was a pre-med student in early years and because I didn't stay that way and I chose to do something different. So those expectations were expired. For some women listening to this and those few brave men who are also checking it out, you may have had other private expectations like by 25, I'm gonna have these things done. By 30, it'll be this. And by 50, it'll be... And maybe life took you in a different course, but there's a part of you that's still holding yourself as not enough, mm. not worthy, not good, because those expectations, that checklist is still hanging over your head like a carrot that's rotted that you don't even want, but you didn't think that maybe I can cut that at the root and get rid of it because it actually no longer applies to the truth of what I really want versus what I said or someone said to me or over me at another time. And there's three other boundary zones, but I would think I those it. are the first two to really look at. That's amazing. Thank you. You said that there were three others. Mm -hmm. There. So we did expired expectations, personal habits. There's also your perspective. So having a permission zone around that boundary of perspective, of perspective, which really just means not closing yourself off to new learnings, like being open to learning other things. I was raised a Jehovah Witness and uh, transitioned to being a Christian technically in my early years and then backed away from everything until I was an adult. Um, but my father is Muslim and my mother was Catholic. So there was like a lot of intermingling of things that was very confusing and disruptive in so many different ways. But what it did do is it gave me perspective of other ways of understanding your center, of connecting to your spirit, of appreciating things. And as I got older, I realized there was so much more benefit for me and my increase of compassion than it was for maybe some of my colleagues who might've only been 
exposed to one specific, in this example, religion, and they had no other context where I could be much more empathetic and open to different understanding because I was willing to learn and to listen once I got past the confusion of it not being exactly in alignment with how I was originally raised or what my core um, system of belief was handed down by my guardians, which were grandparents at the time. So having perspective is really important, which means making sure you have time to learn. Learn from other people. Be at the feet of people smarter than you. I never want to be in the room where I'm the smartest person. Like, I know a lot of people say that, but I mean it. I'm constantly up-leveling my investment. Like, what other incubator? This one was great. You're awesome. Let's stay connected. What other room can I go in? Because now I feel like we're all on the same level. I don't want to be on the same level. I always want to be learning. I know that there are so many much more phenomenal, brilliant people out there than me and my brilliance. And I'm open to receiving what's for me. That doesn't mean everything they say that I'm like eating it up. Like, you know, it's the next best thing to grill cheese if people like cheese, but <laughs> it does mean that I'm willing to learn that there are other things like grilled cheese out there, even if I, I was raised vegan. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love that. Because if you are the smartest person in the room, you don't learn, you don't grow and you're in the wrong place. Like you're in the wrong business. That's not why we're here. That's not why you're here. You know, absolutely. And I love that so much. How is your life different now than it was before you gave to yourself before you Mm -hmm. started to be selfish in the most fabulous, you know, definition of the word? It's now yeah, it's completely different, 180 degrees different. I will say once I was vulnerable enough to admit what I needed, which was to be intentionally selfish, I need it. I'm a giver. That is a natural part of my DNA. And as a giver, you can easily give until you go emotionally broke, which I've done more times than we can count because you're you're trying to help in such severe ways. And I'm not even talking on the professional. Like we can add to that too, because again, it doesn't stop at one section of your life. But even personally, you see people and you just want to love on them and you want to hold them and you want to, you don't know at the time, you know, if you're earlier on in your journey, but you want to heal them. You don't necessarily know that that's what you're trying to do. You're just like, let me help you. I, I want to show you how to be a friend. Like, you don't have to be so angry. Like, you have so much potential because you can see so much for them. But if they don't want it for themselves, if they're not ready for it in that moment and you're holding on to them, it creates this toxic energy that you then absorb. And now you can't figure out why you're depressed, why you're sad, why you're angry, why you're having outbursts, while your mood is swinging faster than a pendulum, right? Like you, you don't understand where it's coming from. And all of those things were happening to me because I kept trying to hold on a previous bishop of mine used to say, you keep trying, not to me, but to like to all of us, you keep trying to make five minute people, like people who were meant for five minute conversations, hour long histories. Like you keep doing that. And then you wonder why you're exhausted because it was supposed to end five minutes. That was only supposed to be a a one-year relationship, a three-month relationship, a just for the transaction of whatever that experience was relationship, but you wanted to make them your 20-year-long sister, right? Like, yeah, they become, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. You wanted to make them a project. And even though you didn't consciously intend to do that, you really just wanted to love on the person. 
but it creates so much toxicity in you, which is that other boundary zone actually of energy management capacity. And the last one is faith, like making sure you have time for whatever your faith is that's pulling you forth. Mm -hmm. And your energy management is looking at the holes of where your leaks are, where are your leaks? So I had to look at my leaks and that's how I got to be more intentionally selfish. My first time ever in my memory of being selfish, I was 15. And my mother, who's an, still an active drug addict, who had tried to push my baby brother out of windows, who had tried to sell me for sex and drugs and all kinds of different things, she had pushed me to the limit by basically inviting men to stay at our home. Um, and I had just went back home with her. She abandoned me when I was nine. I moved back in when she when I was 12 because she had my baby brother and I didn't want him to be left alone. Um, I'm the oldest of five. Uh, and with my youngest baby brother, I was like, nope, I don't want him to go in the system. I want him to be okay. I'm 15 years old. The world is on my shoulders. I think I can do it all. I'm walking from South Philly to Chestnut Hill. If you have any idea how far that is, it's very, very far to go to school because my mother's stealing my SEPTA bus tokens and selling them to change them over for, for drugs and, and different things and alcohol, whatever she get, get her hands on for a fix. And I was done. I was exhausted. I was beyond exhausted. I literally was having dreams of I'm going to be underneath a jail because I'm going to kill one of these people that comes in this house that tries to come in my room again. Like this, it's over the top. Like I can't take it anymore. And so I called my grandmother who was also not a healthy place, but this is what happens when you have trauma, right? Like you go to the familiar because it's a little more safe than the other place. And I said, can we, me and my baby brother, can we come there? Can we stay? And she said, you can come, you know, you work, you're independent, but I'm not raising nobody else's kid. So he can't come. And he was three years old, mm. three, three and a half. And that was really hard for me because I knew that if I stayed, I wouldn't live very long, not free anyway. I knew that I would be underneath someone's jail. But if I left, I had to choose to leave him and hope and pray that he would be cared for under the guise of angels because she was not able to care for him. I knew the system was jacked up and that would be the worst place for a three and a half year old black boy to be in. And I had to choose myself. And that was hard. That was the first time that if I was to be really honest with myself, that was the first time I was selfish. And it was intentional. I didn't want to leave him. I cried. I was a hot mess for I don't know how long. Of course, I went back to see him every chance that I could get. I ended up taking custody of him when he was 13. You know, when soon as I was old enough, which wasn't that much later, to be able to take him. My husband and I both agreed, like, let's get him. It's, it's such a horrible um, environment. But that moment at 15 years old, I had to choose myself. And I put myself under so much guilt and shame because of that, because the world tells us mm -hmm. that when we are selfish, that we are in our ego, that we are mean, that we are not caring for other people. And I say, let's reclaim our power with that. Be intentionally selfish, not to be in your ego, not to make other people feel small, not to be mean and say, I'm not coming to your party because you're not as good as me, like not that be intentionally selfish to create that spaciousness. So you can do your own work. So you can have space to forgive yourself. So you can have space to imagine a better life. So you can take positive actions. Like for me, that's the gift of being intentionally selfish 
if your self-care isn't selfish, you're not doing it right. If your self-care is always about, well, I have to be with my girlfriends. I have to take my kids. Nothing wrong with doing that every once in a while. I'm not saying it is, but it shouldn't be the justified reason to give yourself space is if you include other people mm. or if you do it for someone else. You need that time for yourself so you can look at where are my leaks? Who are the people that are trying to climb into my room? Access, to get access to you, not necessarily physically to sexually assault you, but to drain you of your energy, to take your ideas and, and call it friendship. Oh girl, I just wanted to check in on you and they know daggone well you do this for a living. Why didn't you come through a console and pay me the same way you would have paid someone else? Like, come on. Like there's, there's a lot of things that people are doing to get access to you and calling it nice and yeah, covering. Like, come over and cut my hair. Well, come to the salon, you know? Like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you have to choose you. You have to choose to survive. You have Period. to choose to love yourself. Period. No matter how many people hate you for it. No, how many, no many, not, no matter how many people look at you like trash, you know, honestly, and you have to, you have to really, it, it is hard. Like I'm listening to your story, you know, and I'm getting goosebumps because I, some of the decisions you had to make are difficult for adults. Yeah. Now for a teenager, and, you know, I have a 16 year old teenager. I understand teenager. And I remember how messed up I was as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even the, the least messed up teenager to come up with that. Yeah. Um, I think that's so brave and so loving of you to do. Um, you. But I can see the other side. I mm-hmm. can see how people maybe have turned their back and say, well, you must not have loved your brother mm-hmm. or you must mm-hmm. not have. To go through that, that must have been very, very difficult for you. But what a path it started. It did. And it was a gift that I couldn't appreciate in full transparency, you know, in the time, in the moment. It was heavy. It made me create an addiction of my own, which was stress. I didn't fall, falter to drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and some of the other things that would have been a natural place for me to end up, quite frankly. Uh, but minds was stress. So minds became the very thing that we started this conversation talking about. It was that adrenaline rush that puts you on the edge of burnout because it was a Nikita got five jobs from the age of 12 and it was justified. I got to cover these bills because my mama can't. Okay, I'm living over here. I got to take care of this because my grandmother has a severe mental health illness and is not safe either, but at least no one's coming in my room at night. So now I'm working till three o'clock in the morning at 15 and mm-hmm. getting up and going to track and going to school and then going back to another job and then weekends going to see my brother. Like It justified my addiction to stress because it was covered in that validation of ambition, right? Like I'm I'm doing things. I got places to go. I'm triple major in school. I'm pre-med. I'm th- right. Like you get all, and people are patting you on the back, like, go, oh, you get it, girl. Meanwhile, I'm team no sleep. And I can't remember some really important facts in my life because I'm so exhausted, I'm but sad. I'm hiding. I'm yeah, sad. I'm and I'm sad, but I'm hiding. I'm hiding under this really beautiful mask of ambition. And ambition is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everyone who's ambitious is like using it as a cover, but I was. My addiction was stress. 
period. And like you said earlier in your conversation, in our conversation, it's a split second between the you're doing too much to you're not doing enough. And that's why we need to just listen to ourselves and know what's true for us. Yes. And it's okay. It's okay to choose you. And I think it's one of the best gifts we can give to ourselves. I love what you're doing. I love that you're spreading this message amongst other things. I mean, you're, you're doing it all, but I really appreciate that. And I really respect your journey and how you got here, you know? Thank you. It's amazing. It, for me, it's, I know it's cliche for a lot of people when they're like, you know, I want a revolution. I want to, you know, like people and, you know, I get it. But for me, helping people be intentionally selfish can save them because it frees them. It frees them from those expired expectations from themselves and other people. It frees them from those generational curses that said you have to do this this way or else, mm -hmm. or you're never going to be. Like it frees you from that because you get to gift yourself the space to be in gratitude, but not hide behind it. And I do feel like there is a difference because we, especially as the humans with more estrogen, we have a tendency of hiding behind like I should just that that word yes. I should just be okay because so many other people don't have what I have and I should not ask for more because I mean how dare I when I believe as a person of faith you were created by the most primal energy there is why would you be limited to just why can't you do so much more and like I literally live in the A-N-D, the space of and mm. because without it, I would be playing small and fitting into another box, suffocating myself. It wouldn't be about the other person or the partnerships or the obligations. It would be me choosing to do that because it makes other people feel better that I'm not being selfish. And I'm like, screw you. Selfish saved me. And yep. I know selfishness can save a lot more people in context, being intentional, removing the, you know, the egotisticalness of it and all of it, but really using it to reclaim your power. It, it can be a, a salve, a remedy. And that's, that's my that. gift. Yeah. Selfishness saved me too. Yeah. You know, I spent 12 years suppressing all of my feelings, um, afraid to say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing, to grieve the wrong way. Mm. And yeah, all it does is bring you pain. And, you know, living someone else's um, path is just that it's living someone else's path, right? Yes. And I think life is too precious. Like, you're talking about, you know, some revolution and all these things. And People also say all the time, it's very cliche, life is too short. Mm. But when you're standing or sitting in front of someone you love, yeah. who is taking their last breath, you realize the true meaning of those words. Yes, And that's what happened in my story. And you will never look at that again the same way. Yeah. And how precious every single day is that you speak your own truth. You know, and those people who are saying those things about us or labeling us, they might not mm -hmm. be there tomorrow and that's okay. That's Maybe okay. they just don't fit in that space. And that's not just being nice. That's being real. Yes. And that's so important. I think that we all do that, you know, and a lot of my audience are givers and healers like we are. And 
may find that they don't have anything left to give when they're exhausted and they're burnt out. So, you know, I do think it's such an important message to be selfish and to think of ourselves first, and then we can help everyone we love. Yes. You know? Yes. Instead of giving from resentment, because that's what you're left with when you're exhausted. I know Mm -hmm. I'm being personal, but I know that's what it was for me. I started to resent the very people that I was doing all the things for because yeah. I didn't have anything left and it wasn't about them. It wasn't their fault. It was mine because I was allowing it. Yeah. Wow. Is there anything we didn't talk about today that you wanted to mention? Because, you know, I just love these conversations, honestly. Yeah. So great. You Thank you for being so vulnerable and real and genuine with us today. You're welcome. It's, I don't know any other way to show up. So it's a plus or minus for some people with that. Um, I, I feel like we covered everything that you intuitively wanted to talk about. I don't feel like this is the end of our conversation, Yeah, but this was a, a really good conversation. So if there's anything else that once your listeners hear this, if they have questions or feedback, by all means, you know, come to your show. I'm sure you'll get, get the messages over to me. Um, and I'm happy to, to do some Q and A. I would love that. I would love for you actually to come back and talk about balance and relationships another time, because I know that you do a lot of work with that. So I would love that. But tell us where we can find you, where we can reach out to you, your website and all the things. Yeah. So I would say uh, the best place to get intimate with me right now is listening to the Balance Bully podcast. So for all of you who are podcast heads that are listening to it, come on over. Um, That's all the conversations on creating work life and love. Um, thigpro.com, T H I G P R O, is our base corporate website, the parent company. Um, those are probably the main things. Like you can get to all the other rooms of our estate, if you will, by going to thigpro.com. Thank you so much, Nikita. Honestly, I really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I can just see the audience's face, like the people who are listening, if they feel at all like what I felt during this conversation, Mm -hmm. they're feeling empowered and inspired to stand up for themselves a little bit more. You know, these aren't just words. Like I get emotional sometimes because I know I've been there, you've been there and you know how crappy it feels. You know how, I don't know, to live below what you're supposed to be it's it's very stifling and you yeah. use the words suffocating and it's so it's it's so it's so real and i yeah. see so many people being unhappy not because they don't have everything they need but because they're not who they they're not showing who they really are for fear of what people are going to say so i think this message is it's really important so thank you again for coming here today well, thank you for having me and creating such a a palpable sacred space for me to feel comfortable to share. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.